You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. We are getting closer. Saturday will be the kickoff between Tennessee and Kentucky. It's going to be a noon game on the SEC Network. Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, and Cole Kublik will be on the call on TV. And it's a big one for Tennessee. This is a really important game. The Vols are favored, of course, going in. In the first segment of today's show, Jeremy Pruitt is going to talk about the defensive side of the ball for Kentucky. Jeremy Pruitt knows a lot about Mark Stoops head-to-head. Tennessee has had the advantage the last two years. Last year came down to the wire, and I promise Jeremy Pruitt is telling his team they're going to be physical, they're going to challenge you, be ready. You'll hear him talk about the defensive side of the ball for Kentucky coming up here in the first segment of today's show. Today's show presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Coming up in the second segment of the show, I had a few questions sent in to me about what's going on with Tennessee right now. I will answer those in the second segment of the show. And in the final segment, there are some NCAA news items to get to you that will affect Tennessee and will affect everybody in college sports in the future. Plus, we just passed a big anniversary in Tennessee football history. I'll tell you about that in the final segment of today's show. Locked On Vols is here five days a week. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for being here. Welcome new listeners as well. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And Tennessee, as I mentioned, is going into a Kentucky game where the Wildcats are, I think, going to be confident. They're 1-2 and two on the season, but Kentucky was competitive with Auburn in the first game of the season. Maybe should have beaten Ole Miss. Should have is a, an interesting way of describing games, I think, but it went to overtime. Very well could have won the game for sure. And then last week, Kentucky controlled the game for the most part. You didn't see a lot of offensive yards from Kentucky, but you sure didn't see much from Mississippi State on the offensive side. It was a 24-2 to win for Kentucky against Mississippi State last week. And I mentioned on Wednesday's show that up front, Kentucky has a lot of size, and I think Mark Stoops has recruited well and developed well. Up front on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, that's been a staple of Kentucky's program over the last few years. And while Kentucky for sure does not have Georgia's defense, Kentucky has a defense that will challenge Tennessee. And of course, Tennessee's offensive line is hoping to play better. Tennessee needs to be better in pass protection. And Tennessee's quarterback play needs to be better. This is what Jeremy Pruitt said after practice on Wednesday when he was asked about what Kentucky presents defensively. This is what Jeremy Pruitt said. Well, they play hard. Um, you know, I, I said this earlier today. I had the opportunity to follow, to follow Coach Stoops. Um, at Florida State so a lot of those guys that that I coached he recruited and um, I didn't have to I didn't have to teach them how to practice I didn't have to teach them how to play hard Uh, they were tough they were physical Um, they they, you know they really good at fundamentals and you can see it with his Kentucky teams Uh, you know they give you a lot of different looks they they've recruited big and big long athletes um, guys that have really good ball skills, they play together, um, give you a lot of different looks, so uh, they, they create issues. And when you look at the numbers for Kentucky on defense, it's early in the season, but all three games, of course, have been against SEC teams, and week two is against Ole Miss, which is really good offensively. Kentucky is fourth in the SEC in total defense. That's one spot ahead of Tennessee. Kentucky's rush defense is third in the conference, and if you look at yards per carry, Kentucky is in the same spot. That's two spots 
ahead of Tennessee, by the way. And then scoring defense, Kentucky is third in the conference behind Georgia and Auburn. So I think this will be a good test for Tennessee trying to come back and play better than it did against Georgia. And Jeremy Pruitt said again on Wednesday, look, we got whipped in the second half. So some of those issues up front that Tennessee had and just issues across the board, a lot of credit does go to Georgia because of how good Georgia is on defense. Uh, Think about this. When I mentioned Kentucky is third in the SEC in scoring defense, that's right behind Auburn. Auburn's about a point and a half better per game than Kentucky. Georgia is 12 points per game better than Kentucky. Georgia just isn't giving up points. Kentucky's not giving up much. Tennessee's defense is middle of the pack right now in scoring defense, and the Vols need to improve there in terms of trying to get off the field on third downs. That's been a focal point for Jeremy Pruitt looking at his defense this week, and I think a lot of that is getting the right kind of coverage and making sure they don't have mismatches out there. And to me, a real important key for Tennessee on defense will be limit what they're able to do in the running game, force Terry Wilson or Joey Gatewood to make throws through the air. And if they're able to do that, then Tennessee's defense could be in trouble on Saturday. But I think that's going to be part of the focus for Tennessee's defense. For Tennessee's offense, can you run the ball? Can you establish the run early, set the tone with the offensive line, and win those battles up front? You don't want to hold your own against Kentucky. You want to win those battles up front and allow that to make things easier on Jarrett Garantano. I'm sure that Jim Chaney is going to continue to try to take shots down the field, and I would think that Tennessee will try to put Garantano in position where he can make some easier throws quickly. His release time in the first couple of weeks was really good. I think one of the best in the SEC. Get the ball out quickly, see if you can make some plays. I imagine that that's going to be a key for Tennessee. But Jeremy Pruitt, I promise, has a lot of respect for what Mark Stoops' team is. This is not the best team in the SEC, not even close really. But Kentucky, I think, is considered a top 25 to 35 team in the country. And if you don't play well, if you turn the ball over, if you allow them to do what they want to, they can beat you. That's the case. And it's been 36 years since Kentucky last won in Knoxville. 1984 is the last time Tennessee lost at home to Kentucky. I can assure you. Tennessee's head coach, the players, and I know the fan base do not want to see Kentucky come in and win this upcoming week. And there is a knock-on-wood aspect to this game and this week, as we've already seen the Vanderbilt-Missouri game get postponed on Wednesday. The Florida and LSU game was postponed because of COVID issues. Lane Kiffin said that they've got a bit of a scare going on at Ole Miss, and the news came out during the evening that Alabama head coach Nick Saban and the athletic director Greg Byrne have tested positive for COVID, and Saban was working from home on Wednesday. So his status on the field on Saturday for the Georgia game very much in doubt. And it's just that's the reality of what's going on in 2020. The Oklahoma State-Baylor game is postponed. That's an important one in the Big 12 this week. Jeremy Pruitt did provide an update on where things have been over the last few weeks for Tennessee as it relates to COVID. Here's what he said. Well, we've had no negative tests for, I think, three weeks now. Um, So, But as you can see, it it can change in one day. Um, You know, I think our players and our staff and everybody in our program is working hard to – you know, follow the CDC guidelines and uh, wear your mask and, um, you know, but again, when you when you go home at night and, um, you know, I got a three and a five-year-old that, is, that are at school and they're wearing their mask, but, you know, um, they also possibly take it off some during the day too. So, um, I, for me, I understand that, uh, but it's something that um, I think all of us have to make a choice and, uh 
you know, decide what we think is best moving forward. Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Before I move forward into the next segment, there was news on Wednesday on the recruiting trail. Five-star offensive lineman Amarius Mims committed to Georgia. That was the expected outcome, which I mentioned late on yesterday's show, and that was the outcome on Wednesday afternoon. Tennessee will continue to recruit him, but that is a loss. Mims is one of the best offensive line prospects in the country and a guy that Tennessee put a lot of time into recruiting, and again, will continue to, but obviously it's going to be more difficult to land him with the in-state prospect committing to the Georgia Bulldogs. He's a Georgia guy. He was expected to commit to Georgia, and he did so. We'll see if he has any impact on Smile Munden and some others that Tennessee will continue to go after. Nyland Green's an important defensive back in this class that Tennessee is recruiting. So not good news for Tennessee, but also news that was not surprising on Wednesday afternoon. Coming up next, I will open the mailbag. Questions about the quarterback position, questions about someone who could emerge on defense as the season goes along. We'll get to that. Coming up next here on Locked on Vols, today presented by rockauto.com, a website that makes everything easy for you. If you are looking for a part for your vehicle, for your car, for your truck, you need to check out rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, shop for the auto and body parts that they have available from hundreds of manufacturers. And when they have different options available for your car, for your truck, whatever make, model, year it might be, you have an opportunity to save. Instead of going into a store and they only have one option for you, they have options with all different kinds of parts and they make it very easy for you. You can shop from your computer, from your phone, and with a few easy clicks, have the part delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com and shop their unique catalog. They have great prices available. That's for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. When you check out rockauto.com, make sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want to work in a mailbag with a few questions that have been sent in to me from listeners, and I appreciate the questions that have been sent in. We'll start with the quarterback conversation with Tennessee's football team. Is That's a big talking point, and I've talked about it this week. You may be tired of me uh, bringing it up, so that's why I thought I'd bring up some of the questions that have been sent to me. The first one comes from Sam. Sam, thank you for sending the question in and mentioning in it that you listen to the show each day. I really do appreciate that. And you bring up a fair question. Sam mentions this, that in an episode earlier this week, I said that the quarterback switch last year was a good move, but then it got worse. And Sam asked, would that analysis be different if not for the concussions that Brian Maurer suffered? It seemed to be the right call until those injuries. 
and that I made it sound like Brian Maurer regressed and that wasn't necessarily the case. I don't necessarily think it was a regression. I think this. Brian Maurer was a guy that came in and provided a spark, but also the offense just needed to see something different at quarterback. Jarrett was not playing well. He's playing terribly in the month of September. And if that was going to continue, that would have made it worse around him. I think they needed a change at quarterback. I don't think at any point Brian Maurer was playing exceptionally well. I think he made some good individual plays. Uh, he was a guy that can move around. He had good mobility. He hit some balls down the field. I don't think the coaching staff still had a lot of trust in Brian Maurer, and that showed up without the concussions or not. Uh, that was just something that was really unfortunate that Brian had to deal with. And, and when he came back, by the way, I don't think he played particularly well at all. And JT Shrout was a guy that was able to make some plays. Remember the deep ball that he hit to Marquez Calloway in the South Carolina game? But I think for every good throw or decision that Shrout would make, I think he made two or three that absolutely terrified the coaching staff. And to me, that's still a big part of this. On Sports 180 on Wednesday, we had Tom Hart on the show, and he's talked to Jeremy Pruitt about the quarterback position. Tom's going to be on the SEC Network call this Saturday. And he mentioned what I've brought up, that I think a lot of it is just trust in Jarrett Garantano to have the team in the right play. I think a lot of, a lot of times uh, fans are bringing up Hey, he's not seeing blitzes that are coming. I think Garantano sees pre-snap a lot more than Maurer and Shrout have seen to this point. But Garantano also turned the ball over in the second half this past week. That's what Jeremy Pruitt is not going to put up with. So if that continues, whether they have a lot of trust in Shrout or Maurer, I think the coaching staff would still look to one of those guys if they no longer believe Jarrett's going to do a good enough job of taking care of the football. So, Sam, it's it's a good question. I would not, again, say that Brian Maurer necessarily regressed last year. I don't think he was ever playing at that high of a level. I think he made some good plays, and that provided a nice spark. And also, Garantano came back and was better after sitting out as a backup in the Georgia game and the Mississippi State game. And then he helped Tennessee win some of those games as the season went along. But in the Kentucky game, there's no debate who was the better quarterback. It was Garantano. And in the Missouri game, Garantano was terrific. And that's why Tennessee decided to go back to Jarrett. Plus, his teammates said it. It's not just me. It's not just Jeremy Pruitt. Jarrett's teammates, who are also Brian Maurer's teammates, were saying, hey, Jarrett's our best quarterback. Let's go with him. And that's what they're continuing to do. The next question comes from Eric, who says, I've liked what I've seen from the defense. I know you've brought that up on the show this week. Who is a player on defense that might step up and play a bigger role as the season goes along? And I think that's a good question because you have a number of younger players who are getting more of an opportunity. I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say Tyler Barron or Morvin Joseph. My guess would be Barron here. I think he's seen a little bit more playing time, and he's a guy that coming into the season we knew would have an opportunity to play some kind of role. But Tennessee is trying to improve the pass rush. Tennessee didn't do a very good job of getting after Stetson Bennett this past Saturday down at Georgia. Part of the reason was that DeAndre Johnson was ejected early in the game because of the targeting penalty. But as the season goes along, it's going to have to be more than Johnson. That was proven this past week, right? It's going to have to be more than Kavon Bennett. Roman Harrison is another player to bring up. He's a second-year outside linebacker that the staff really likes. But I'll say Tyler Barron is somebody to watch. Morvin Joseph could also get more of an opportunity. But Barron's a player that was highly touted, four-star talent out of Knoxville Catholic High School. And I think he's a really good athlete. So as an outside linebacker, defensive end, he's not going to be Derek Barnett. That kind of comparison would be just unfair. But Barron's a player that, as a true freshman, already looks the part and looks like he's ready to help Tennessee's defense. 
and I think he will help Tennessee make more plays as the season goes along. And Tennessee's trying to get better on the back end. I think Jeremy Pruitt's trying to figure some things out with the secondary. Linebackers and coverage has been an issue, but applying more pressure on the quarterback would absolutely help Tennessee's defense. And every week when you hear Jeremy Pruitt bring up, we have to create more takeaways. We have to create more turnovers on defense. One thing he's talking about is we need to create more pressure. And Tyler Barron, I think, is a young player to watch that should help Tennessee with that. And as much depth and as big of a rotation as Tennessee can create on the defensive side, that will help Tennessee. If if they can have guys that are fresh up front as the season goes along, that could end up being a big deal for Tennessee. So that's another reason to look for Barron and Joseph and Roman Harrison to continue to factor in into what Tennessee is trying to do on the defensive side of the ball. And Jeremy Pruitt said on Wednesday after practice, watch for Bryson Eason. He is a freshman who could play this week. He's moved to outside linebacker. So he's a player to pay attention to. As J.J. Peterson, by the way, is away from the team right now and has been the last couple of weeks. So he will not be factoring in to Tennessee's defense probably anytime soon, maybe ever. I don't know if it's going to play out that way, but they do have a number of young linebackers from freshmen and second-year players that Tennessee is planning to count on to help build depth there on the defensive side. And one other question that I received this week, and I apologize, I, I misplaced where it came from, but the question was a fair one going back to the quarterback position, but it also ties into what I just said there about the defenses. The question was, hey, at every other position, at running back, at wide receiver, at linebacker, you can see guys go in and out. You can see somebody get an opportunity if a player is struggling. Why not see that at the quarterback position? And I think it's a fair question. My immediate response would be, well, you want as much consistency at the quarterback position as you can find. And if you don't have somebody that's going to provide a real difference in what the starter is doing for you there, taking the starter out and putting somebody else in at quarterback could be a problem. But a reason to consider a change, even if it's not going to be permanent, would be what I mentioned a few minutes ago. If Garantano's turning the ball over, if he continues to make mistakes, the profootballfocus.com ranking of the starting quarterbacks in the SEC through three weeks were very down on Jarrett, and they pointed to his turnovers and the throws that he made that necessarily didn't necessarily end up in turnovers but could have. That is a concern. So if that continues, then I do think Tennessee's coaching staff would consider a change. If in the first half, Garantano has two turnovers on Saturday against Kentucky, that I would almost expect that Tennessee would look to another quarterback. Maybe it's not permanent. Remember the bowl game against Indiana. Tennessee went to Brian Maurer for a series. He didn't look good out there. He didn't look ready, and Tennessee went back to Garantano, and then he helped Tennessee come back and win the game. Something like that could happen again. So it's a fair question. Hey, why not at least consider a change, even if it's short-term, to provide some kind of help to the offense if Garantano struggles? If he does, then I think the coaching staff might consider that. They did against Florida last year. They did going into the Georgia game, and they did at different times, whether it was Garantano or Brian Maurer, who was starting for the Vols. Thank you again to everyone who sent in the questions. You can hit me up anytime on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have links in the show notes. If you ever want to send me a message, a question, or comment for the show, I really do appreciate the interaction. Coming up next here on Locked on Vols, yesterday was the 25-year anniversary of one of the biggest plays in Tennessee football history. 
You will hear John Ward's call on the play, and I'll have a few thoughts on it coming up next. Right here on Locked on Vols, today also presented by BuiltBar.com, a website that has the tastiest protein bar you're ever going to find with a ton of different options for you. If you go to BuiltBar.com, like I'll do it right now as I tell you about it. BuiltBar.com makes everything so easy. You can go to the website and see all the different flavors they have. All their bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they have nut-free and nut flavors that are available. I've told you peanut butter and peanut butter brownie are my favorite, but find the flavor you think you'll like best. They have double chocolate, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, salted caramel, orange and cherry and raspberry, all available at BuiltBar.com. And this is important. They are great tasting bars, but they are also healthy options. Bars that have 17 to 20 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar, 130 to 180 calories in their bars. And again, 100% real chocolate with the Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On to get 20% off when you visit BuiltBar.com. I should have brought this up on Wednesday's show, but better late than never. Yesterday, which was October 14th, was the 25-year anniversary of one of the biggest plays in Tennessee football history. One of the biggest plays for a number of reasons. First of all, I want you to hear the play. This is John Ward on the call. We're going back to 1995. Listen to this play. You may remember it. You may remember where you were when it happened. But this is 25 years ago yesterday Tennessee versus Alabama. This will be Manning. Back to throw. Across the middle. Pass complete. Ball down at the 35. To the 40. To the 45. To the 50. To the 45. To the 40. To the 35. 30. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Kent. Touchdown on play number one. Peyton Manning. Joey Kent. What did he do? All he did was score. One of the great plays for several reasons. First of all, it's against Alabama. It's a big deal. You're playing your biggest rival. You're trying to break a losing streak to the tide. You're trying to get things really going with the program to try to get back to a championship level. Spoiler alert, that ends up happening. It also is Peyton Manning, the greatest player in Tennessee football history, Tennessee's top quarterback, to Joey Kent, one of the great receivers, a guy that still holds a bunch of records 25 years later, who was on the other end. By the way, he's an Alabama native, so that touchdown for Joey was a little extra sweet. And then you have John Ward's iconic call. The way that he delivered it on play number one, it led to Joey Kent starting up that legendaryplay.com, which he started up here recently. And you can find the diagram of that very play. But the big deal to me is I know so many Tennessee fans can remember where they were exactly when it happened. And the excitement, the emotion of, hey, we might do this. We might beat Alabama, and Tennessee goes on to roll the tide, and then they go on a winning streak of their own against Alabama, and that got Tennessee going really in the mid to late 90s. 95 through 99 was such an incredible run for Tennessee with all that Peyton Manning was able to do and all the great players that came in, and of course the SEC titles in 97 and 98 and the national championship itself in 1998. So, when it happened in the moment, you're just probably celebrating the touchdown. But then you start to think, hey, we can beat Alabama. And then you start to think, hey, we can really get going here. And that was a terrific season in 95 for the Vols. But that was that was almost that point right there was the takeoff for Tennessee football to get to the peak that it did in 98 to win a national championship. So it took a few years. And in 97, they won an SEC title, which was a great send-off for Peyton Manning as well. But that play to me 
represents so much. It's that moment, which was great and will be remembered forever by so many Tennessee fans. But what came after it is what makes play number one against Alabama in 95 an even bigger deal. So 25 years ago yesterday, it was a great moment. One of the all-time great moments in Tennessee football history. And the John Ward call is a big deal too there, isn't it? You think about the national championship, you think about the win against Florida in 98 with even more enjoyment because you can always hear that John Ward call in your head. And when Tennessee wins the national championship, the national champion is clad in big orange. That quote, the way that John Ward delivered it, will always be there for you when you think about Tennessee winning the national championship. And the same applies to play number one, Peyton Manning to Joey Kent. What did he do? All he did was score. Before I wrap up today's show, there were several NCAA news items that came out on Wednesday. First of all, all 127 FBS teams that are playing football this fall, either are playing or will be starting up here in the next few weeks, the Big Ten gets going next week, they will all be bowl eligible as the NCAA officially approved no-win requirements to play in a bowl game this season. That does not mean every team is going to end up going to a bowl game. There are only 78 spots available, but because of the scheduling and not everybody's playing a full schedule, of course, and you have different number of games being played from one conference to another, having a win total requirement just didn't make a lot of sense. So everybody's bowl eligible. Of course, not everybody is going to get in, but Kansas, Rutgers, Vanderbilt, here's your opportunity. Also, big news, the NCAA Council approved the proposal to allow one-time transfers in all sports without sitting out a season, and they will vote on it in January for final approval. But if it's approved, as it's expected to be, then effective August 1st, 2021, players would be allowed in any sport to transfer once without having to sit out. Now, we'll see what conferences do, because remember, the NCAA approved Cade Mays to be able to play this year, but it took another few weeks for the SEC to allow it. My guess is if the NCAA approves this officially in January, the SEC will follow and start allowing players to transfer within the conference once without having to sit out. That's a guess. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I would expect that that's what will uh, follow. If the NCAA is going to allow it, to me, it doesn't make any sense for the SEC to say, hey, you can transfer and play right away, but not within our conference. So what that would mean is if one guy is good enough to transfer from one SEC school to another, you're telling him no, and instead you would be encouraging him to leave the SEC to go to a different conference. To me, that doesn't make much sense. Maybe I'm applying too much common sense to the situation, but that's how I would see it. And then also the NCAA officially approved giving an additional year of eligibility to all winter sport athletes. As basketball practice is underway and we're about six weeks away from the college basketball regular season starting up, just like with the fall and spring last year, the winter athletes are getting an additional year of eligibility from the NCAA. So uh, a number of items from Wednesday that will affect next year and future years in college athletics. Tomorrow's show is going to be a big one. I'll do a big preview for the Tennessee-Kentucky game coming up on Saturday. Curtis Birch is going to stop by the show. He'll fill us in on everything we need to know about Kentucky to get you ready for the matchups, and I'll look at what Tennessee needs to do to bounce back from the Georgia game and get a win and try to get to 3-1 and one on the season with the game at Neyland Stadium coming up on Saturday. It's a big game before Alabama comes to town next week. I appreciate you hanging out on today's show. Thanks for all the interaction. Thanks again to everybody who sent in a question 
question for the show, hit me up anytime on any of the social media channels. Keep spreading the word to other Tennessee fans about Locked On Vols. Today's show presented by rockauto.com. I appreciate you hanging out. I will see you again tomorrow on Locked On Vols here five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.